17. And um, let's begin at verse number 20. John chapter 17, verse 20. If you're familiar with this chapter, it's one of my favorites uh, in the, all the Word of God. It's, it's a unique glimpse into Jesus praying. And uh, we know that He prayed a lot. We know that sometimes He would pray all night. Uh, but what we have in John the 17th chapter is one of His prayer times to His Father, with His Father, recorded for us. We see that He prays for Himself. We see that He then prays for His disciples that were with Him currently. And then we see that He prays for us. And that's where we're going to pick up this morning in verse number 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word that all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them as you have loved me. Now, it's very easy for us when we talk about, you know, the, why Jesus came to this earth and, and the mission that He came to accomplish. And if you ask the average person, what did Jesus do for us when He came, they'll say something to the effect that He died on the cross, we can be forgiven for our sins. And, and, and certainly that's accurate. It's, it's, it's much more than that, but that wouldn't be wrong. It just would be incomplete, I guess, as far as the answer is concerned. But one of the things that, that we have here and and it's a characteristic of all effective prayer, is that there's intimacy in, in, uh, in effective prayer, just like there's intimacy in effective communication. Um, you know, if you've ever tried to have a conversation with somebody while, you know, they're looking at their phone or, um, or husbands and wives maybe trying to have a conversation when one of them is, has the remote control in, in their hand, there's no real personal uh, connection <laughs> in that in that level of communication so we talk about prayer being communication there, there's a there's a connection and, and, an, and an intimacy uh, and and of course we know the intimacy that Jesus has shared with his father for uh, all of eternity past and, and all of eternity uh, you know continuing forward uh, and, and that intimacy was no different while Jesus was separated from him here on the earth uh, he was still spiritually one with him until he became our sin. And, and so I'm saying all that to say, when we look at this prayer, where the, the part where Jesus didn't just pray for his disciples, but for everyone who would believe in him because of the word that the disciples would preach, and that's, of course, speaking of you and me, we see that, that he's expressing uh, something on a deeper level here about why he really came and what's really behind um, him dying on the cross and Him becoming our sin so that we could become His righteousness. And, and, and what we see in all of this is more than just you and me being forgiven uh, on the other side of the cross, on the other side of our receiving salvation, but we see something much deeper than that. Let me go back over these verses again. Um, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. So notice what Jesus is trying to accomplish here. Not just the forgiveness of our sins. The sin had to be taken away so that the, that the real desire of our Father could be fulfilled and accomplished. And, and ultimately, that, that can be uh, summed up in words like reconciliation. Uh, one of my favorites is this word oneness. That, that we would be one, not just as brothers and sisters, 
but that we would also be one with God Himself, that the world may believe that You sent Me, that the glory which You gave Me I have given them. Remember, and it's been several weeks back, but Romans 3 says we fell short of the glory. But notice now Jesus is doing what He's doing on the cross because the desire of our Heavenly Father is for you and me to be given the same glory that has been given to Jesus and that they may be one just as we are one. So that there would be oneness between uh, the, you know, members of the household of faith, brothers and sisters in, in the Lord, and that that oneness would also be uh, not just horizontal between other members of the body of Christ, but also oneness vertically with God. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. So that we've been, again, trying to bring some things up on the table that we've been talking about while we're together. And we've, we've emphasized over the last few weeks at a Galatians 3, where you know, it says that we've been baptized into Christ, that we've put on Christ, that we are in Christ. And, and this is one of those things uh, you know, that I'll meditate on, especially you know, at night when I'm going to sleep, um, is that I am in Christ Jesus. The Bible teaches us this, that I'm in Him, He's in me. But notice now, as we move outward from there, that Jesus is in the Father, and the Father is, is in Jesus. So if I'm in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father, do you see the, the intimacy and the oneness? Now, remember, this is what Father desired. Uh, last week, at Isaiah 43, we see that, that, that the Bible says that our sins, transgressions, have been blotted out, have been forgiven, ha have been removed from us, and that Father God did this for His sake, not just for whatever benefit it would bring to you and me. And certainly, thankfully, amen, we have received uh, much benefit from our sins being removed and taken away. But the, the, the forgiveness wasn't just to benefit us, not just to fulfill uh, desires and, 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 and success and victory in our lives, but Jesus did what He did for both us and the Father. And we see that He's blotted out our sins. That, remember that word blot out means to, to, to be erased. Uh, to be removed, um, where even if you go to try to look for them and find them, they can't be found anymore, okay? And he did that, the Bible says, God speaking, he says, I did that for my own sake. Because the true heart of our Heavenly Father is this oneness, is this, is this intimacy. For the same glory that's been given to Jesus to be given to you and me. For the same love that Father has uh, for Jesus. Uh, the Bible says, and, and that's the, the last part of this, verse 23, that the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Love them as you have loved me. Wow. Um, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. Let me read that one to you right quick. It says this, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. That first phrase there in that passage we have known and believed the love that God has for us. You know, it's, it's, it's become such a common thing to say God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, Jesus loves you. Um, if, if we're not careful, those words will not carry the, the depth of meaning to us that, that they need to carry. And, and so this is what the Apostle John, by the Holy Spirit, is, is addressing here. 
that, that we've not only known the love that God has for us, but that we've believed it. Now, it's one thing to believe that He loves you, but to really understand the full dimension, the depth, let's talk about it, let's just use that one dimension, the, the deepness, the depth of the love that He has for you, um, it is not just comparable, it is the same as the love that He has for Jesus, according to John 17 and 23. So notice it's one thing, let's just stretch a little bit this morning, it's one thing to believe that God loves you, okay? Do you believe that God loves you? Simple question. Do you believe He loves you? Okay. Do you believe He loves you as much as He loves Jesus? Okay. You see the difference there. But, but notice it says we have known and believed. Uh, so he's, he's talking about here not just a general belief, but, but believing what we know about the love of God. And of course, what we know about it is what's been revealed to us in the Word of God. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So believe the love. Amen. Believe that He loves you as much as He loves Jesus. Believe that He has given to you the same glory that He has given to Jesus. Amen. Think how it would change your life if you woke up every morning believing you were loved by Father God with the same love He loves Jesus with. That was in my notes before we ever led off with the song this morning. And I didn't ask Him to sing that song. It was the Holy Spirit, right? Live like you're loved. Amen. Live like you're loved. And not just like you're loved by your mama. Thank God for a mother's love, okay? Uh, live like your mama loves you, okay? Yeah, amen. Uh, live like my, my fr friends and family love me, okay? Yeah, that's not, what he's, that's not what that song's communicating here. Live like you're loved by your Father God, amen. And live like you're loved by Him with the same love that He loves Jesus with, all right? Now, um, from time to time in our sermon series, uh, I'll get a list of things that are just key points um, uh, in, in an outline. You might call them bullet points, okay? And by way of review, I want to I go back over our bullet point list of truths that, that we have been building. Uh, we'll, you know, each one of these has some, sometimes one sermon or multiple sermons that you know, are behind it, reinforcing it from the Scriptures. And... The key one is that Father desires to treat you like sin never happened. Okay? He, desire, he desires. That's why He forgives your sin, uh, blots it out, removes it from the record, no longer keeps a record. We looked at all these things um, uh, last week. For His own sake. It's because He desires to have a relationship with you uh, that, that sin is not a factor uh, you know, hanging over it or interrupting it or interfering with it any longer. So Father desires to treat you like sin never happened. Okay? We're talking about believing the love. This is how much He loves you. Okay? Uh, the next bullet point is that Father God desires for all of His children to be like Jesus to Him. To be like Jesus to Him. As a matter of fact, that's your destiny. And I'm going uh, to go back to Romans 8 here in just a moment and show you that from the King, New King James and the Passion Translation. Let's run through our, our review list right quick. Let's continue in it. Um, Father God desires for all of His children to have the same access to Him as Jesus. The same access to Him as Jesus. Father God desires for all of His children to have the same fellowship with Him as Jesus. The same fellowship with Him as Jesus. Remember, grace is amazing. Amen. It, 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 it'll cause you to be overwhelmed with wonder. Father God desires for all of His children to have the same inheritance from Him 
as Jesus. Okay? And I mean no disrespect when I say this, but this is where Father puts his money where his mouth is. Amen. And there's just one thing to, it's one thing to say you're his son. It's one thing for him to say that he loves you with the same love that he loves Jesus with. But we also see in Scripture that we're an heir of God and a joint heir, a co-heir together with Jesus. He wants you to have the same inheritance from him as Jesus. Now, Father God desires for all of his children to be blessed like Abraham was blessed. Man, I don't know. I've been, I've been really, really, really just feeding in inwardly on that phrase right there. Uh, that's a Holy Spirit-inspired phrase. And, and it really ties in with a lot of the things that we've been talking about where Jesus became a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon the Gentiles. So what's the big deal about the blessing of Abraham? And why, why, why can't we just say the blessing of the Lord? Okay, well, the blessing of the Lord was the blessing that was upon Abraham. In other words, Abraham's blessing was the Lord's blessing upon him. But Abraham is the gold standard of blessing. Abraham is the, uh, the, the, the generation after generation after generation, if you will, standard of blessing. Uh, and, and so it, it's kind of like when Jesus demonstrated the love of God for us. It's one thing for him to say it, it's another thing for it to be demonstrated. So, so Abraham is the, is the living example, if you will, of what the blessing of God upon a man's life, upon a man's family looks like. And so he wants, in other words, that wasn't something that Father God just desired for Abraham to have. The true heart of our father is for all of his children to be blessed like Abraham was blessed, for all of his children to prosper like Abraham prospered, for all of his children to be provided for like Abraham was provided for, for all of his children to be protected like Abraham was protected, for all of his children to be promoted like Abraham was promoted. And the list goes on and on. So this was and remains Father's desire. And so the last part of our review, we said the completed work of Jesus provides a permanent solution for the sin that separated us from all that Father God desires for us. I stand here and I read all these things, and I'm sure maybe some folks that haven't heard all that the Bible has to say about these things, or, or maybe you have heard it all and you still are, you know, are, are skeptical or, or what have you, be very easy to say, well, if this is what Father God desires for me, then why am I not experiencing this? Why, why am I not you know, living you know, like all these things are true? Well, it's because sin separated us from all that Father God desires. That's why He has blotted out your transgressions for His own sake, so that what He fully desires for you and for me can come to pass in our lives. But remember, all of this, faith uh, receives what grace has already given. All of this has to be believed. It has, it has to be acted on by faith. You have to believe that He loves you. You have to believe uh, that, that this is His desire uh, for you and operate and walk in these things. Now, let's go back to um, a passage that's familiar to our study, Romans the 8th chapter. Romans the 8th chapter. Thank God for the Word, and thank God for the book of Romans in the Word, and thank God for the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, in the book of Romans, in the Word of God. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I, am, I am thankful. Praise God. It is a powerhouse of a chapter that I would encourage you to to spend uh, some time in, all right? Now, Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read it to you first from the New King James Version. It says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. 
So let's, let's make sure that we understand, because there's a lot of error that comes from that first phrase right there. Uh, people say, well, you know, all things work together for the good. Okay? Um, and, and from that we get this phrase that really sometimes irritates me. All, everything happens for a reason. Right? Everything happens for a reason. Okay? Romans 8 does not say everything happens for a reason. Okay? It says that all things work together for good to those who love God. Okay, this is not, in other words, for those who don't love God, this verse doesn't apply. Amen. This is speaking to a very specific group of people, not universally to every human being on planet Earth. And so many times people welcome, instead of standing against you know, challenges and things that come against them to try to you know, attacks from the enemy, if you will. Uh, they think that somehow God's behind it because everything works together magically, deliciously for... No, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Remember, the called are... It's, it's, that's the ecclesia. That's talking about those who, who have received the Lord and have been called out or separated from. It means called out ones. Those who are in this world but not of this world. We've been born a second time. Who are called according to His purpose. Notice there it is again. His purpose. So many times we hear purpose, and I know, I know maybe, maybe this is just me. I don't think it is. I hear purpose and I automatically think service. I hear purpose and I already automatically think you know, labor and serving God and working for God and doing things for God. And absolutely that's a part of it. I mean, we... we we are uh, sons of God, daughters of God, and, and we are just like our big brother Jesus. We are about our Father's business here uh, on the earth, the Great Commission and all these other things. But, but when, we, when we talk about the purpose of God, remember the purpose of God is that oneness. The purpose that God has for you in, involves you being blessed like Abraham was blessed, you being like him as Jesus is to him, you being loved by him like Jesus is loved by him, you having the same inheritance with him, fellowship with him, access with him that Jesus has with him. All of these are the purposes of God for your life as well, not just the service aspect, not just the what you do for him, uh, but who you are to him uh, and, 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 and what he desires to enjoy and experience together with you. Amen. All of these uh, are things that we have been called according to His purpose. What, what He did for us and separated us from so that His purposes could be fulfilled in our lives, in your life. Let's keep going. Verse 29, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Predestined means decided beforehand. Determined, destined beforehand. Notice, to be conformed to the image of His Son. All right? That means to be brought together with, uh, to, to, to um, this whole idea of being conformed to the image. He, he, he's talking about us being uh, to Him as Jesus is to Him. That Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. He's no longer the only begotten Son of God. The firstborn now among many brethren. The captain of our salvation, Hebrews tells us, has led many sons to glory. Now let's keep going. Verse 30. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified, just as if I'd never sinned. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. So again, do you see 
The glory that you've given to me, I've given to them. Now, I know that uh, here of late, I have, uh, first of all, personally, I've, I have really been enjoying the Passion Translation um, uh, of the Bible. And um, some call it a paraphrase. Amen. I, um, I'm thankful for paraphrases of the Bible and, and these kinds of things. Whatever you refer to it as. Um, and, I, and I know sometimes in the past, you know, we, very select group of people have gotten offended, you know, because we don't just do the King James and New King James. Uh, remember, the Bible was written, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it was, it was penned in Hebrew and Greek. And they're superior languages to the English language. So one of my favorite things to do when I study is, and there's computer programs that are free, you don't have to have fancy computer programs to do this, you can do it on your phone is to look at a passage or a group of passages in multiple translations. And you'll be amazed at how sometimes the way one translation words something, it'll make the whole thing come alive to you. Right? So I am thankful. I, I primarily read and study the New King James Version of the Bible, um, but there are multiple translations that I love to, to look at and explore. Um, God's Word translation, the classic Amplified, but the Passion Translation is one of the newest ones out there. And um, I do not know personally the people who put this together. But I can tell by the way they write that they know our Lord. Amen. They know Him. <laughs> they, 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 uh, they have uh, uh, an intimate relationship uh, with Him. And so let me read these same verses to you from uh, Romans 8, 28 through 30. The same uh, verses from the Passion Translation. It says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are His lovers who have been called to fulfill His designed purpose. For He knew all about us before we were born. And He destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of His Son. This means the Son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like Him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, He called us to Himself and transferred His perfect righteousness to everyone He called. And those who possess His perfect righteousness, He co-glorified with his son wow man that just uh that that touches me that blesses me now let's go back because the bible says that faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of god um one of one of the most uh uh satisfying experiences i have as as a uh, as a servant leader of this of this family of faith and and as, as one who teaches and called to teach and preach the Word of God, is when someone either sends me a note, a text, a phone call, or in person, and, and the conversation or the comment begins with something like this, Pastor Mark, I never knew. Right? <laughs> in other words, they have just received revelation from the Word of God and from the Holy Spirit uh, uh, concerning themselves, concerning the love that Father has for them, concerning what belongs to them, uh, as the offspring of God in the earth, uh, where in that message, in that lesson, in that class, what have you, um, they, they heard something that they never knew was true until that moment. 
And uh, man, that just that that does something for me because I know how it changes my life uh, when I have one of those same experiences. Something that I never realized or understood or or maybe didn't understand it as deep or or the the, the full insight of it. Um, on a side note, uh, the Lord told me several years ago uh, that a simple way to understand faith was faith was the ability to see beyond this created realm. And uh, faith is the ability to see beyond this created realm. And um, man, uh, the things over the last uh, six, eight weeks that, that he, the depth, of, in other words, I, I knew that, I've said that, that's in the book, Becoming a Threat to Addiction, we talk about uh, what that means and what that looks like. Um, but I never understood the magnitude of what that simple statement was communicating. Uh, and, and so again, things that I never knew that, that I know now, that the Lord's revealing to me now. And, and so, you know, this is, this is that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. This is, this is where the Holy Spirit on the, on the cutting edge uh, is, is right there with each one of us, uh, teaching us and revealing things uh, to us. But there, there, are, there are many, many things that are true about you right now uh, true about me right now that, that we don't know or don't fully know and understand yet. And I'm talking about um, some really, really good things. Amen. And I know that, you know, religion and, and you know, still the influence of Old Testament uh, law-based, performance-based religion, the influence that that has uh, even this many years uh, since Jesus' uh, ascension back to the throne of the universe and all that he did for us, uh, that still influences a lot of people. And, and, and so in many ways, people, so many born-again people, I wish it wasn't true, but I, I, I think I know in my heart that most born-again people are more sin-conscious than they are righteousness-conscious. In other words, they, they, they are more aware of the sin and, that they commit and the sin that they have committed uh, than the righteousness that they've become. And... Um, this is why there's so much talk about being unworthy and, and all these other things. Understanding that Jesus has made you worthy is, is not pride or arrogance. Um, it's one of the most humbling things in the world when you realize what somebody else has done for you uh, and the sacrifice that they made for you that you could never do yourself, that you were incapable of doing. Uh, and he did it for you and then gave it to you freely. To understand that and embrace that and live every day of your life like that's true is not pride and arrogance. It, it, it will keep you uh, in that place of humility where Father can continually give more and more grace to you. But I'm saying all that to say it's time for the body of Christ, born-again believers, to realize that you're free from sin. That, that uh, your sin, not in part but in whole, has has been blotted out. That doesn't mean covered over. Uh, not white out, but bleach, as we said last week. Um, that your sin, not in part but in whole, is literally nowhere to be found. And he talked about that in Jeremiah, that they'll go and they'll look for it and they'll try to find their sin. Um, and that it'll be sought, but, no, but there shall be none. It'll not be found because it has been removed. This is all speaking prophetically. In other words, Sin wasn't removed like that. In the Old Testament, it was covered over with, with the animal sacrifices. Uh, so that would have to be speaking prophetically 
um, of you and me, of born-again believers, in order for the sin to be removed, because the only way it can be removed and done away with forever is by the blood of Jesus. So, again, I'm not going to go back over all the verses, because there's a few verses that I want us to look at uh, in the time that we have remaining this morning. But the Scriptures are very clear that our sin has been taken away, not covered over. It was lifted off of us and removed from us. All, those, all that imagery in the Old Testament, remember the scapegoat. We, people still use that expression today. Oh, he's a scapegoat, she's a scapegoat. Um, that comes from, from the Old Testament foreshadowing of Jesus. And that was when, symbolically, the sins were placed upon um, a goat. And then that goat was led outside the camp uh, you know, again, setting an example, uh, a symbol of the people's sins being placed upon a goat and then the goat being, you know, carrying those sins away. Jesus, right, is our scapegoat. He, all that was pointing to Him. That was something that was repeated over and over, but no longer has to be repeated because He was the once and for all scapegoat. In other words, one sacrifice for all sin for all time. So John the Baptist said Jesus comes to take away the sin. The Lamb of God who takes away, not covers over, takes away the sin. So it's time for the body of Christ to come to the realization that our sin uh, problem has been resolved. And what a beautiful solution uh, that our Father put together uh, in, in that Jesus became our sin uh, so that we could become His perfect righteousness. Then last week we dug into 2 Corinthians 5 where the Bible says He's no longer imputing uh, sin to us, trespasses to us. Um, so that's the next level of this. Uh, the sin's been taken away and now Father is no longer keeping a record of your sin. That's not just because He chooses to look the other way. It's because your sin has been paid for in full. The account has been eternally settled through what the Bible calls eternal redemption. Not a... Um, how do I... Let me see if I can explain this. Redemption means to, to pay for, to buy. Uh, so let's say um, someone fell into debt in the Old Testament, couldn't pay the debt. They would be sold... Uh, you know, to cover that debt. So let's say they fell into debt, they were sold into slavery uh, until they worked that debt off. They worked the debt off. Five years later, they're right back in debt, sold into slavery again. Okay? Um, so there's, they're being redeemed. They're, either they're redeeming themselves or somebody's paying the debt off and them coming out, but they keep accumulating more debt that keeps putting them right back in that same position. Jesus has paid for all of it so that it can never put us back in uh, that position of spiritual death and all that ever again. All right, so praise God. So I know faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You say, Pastor Mark, I, I don't believe that. Well, my, my heart goes out to you. Um, you know, because if you, if you don't believe that, then what you are believing is, is, um, is keeping you in a state of... of uh, guilt and, and shame, but also um, to not believe it means you believe that your good behavior can somehow make you righteous and, and, and earn God's favor. 
and it, and it simply doesn't work that way. All right, now let's praise God. Uh, Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7. So he no longer imputes their trespasses to them. Again, that's um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 19. Impute means uh, to keep a record of, to take account, to ascribe or attribute to. Uh, Father no longer keeps a record of your sin. He no longer attributes or ascribes sin to you. He no longer associates you with your sin. Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 7. Let's, um, let's look at a couple of verses here. Well, more than a couple, amen. And then we'll finish up this morning. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Well, obviously, this is speaking of Jesus. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens." who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever." All right, so without going too deeply into this, um, the book of Hebrews is establishing Jesus as the eternal high priest uh, that was prophesied, that, it, that it's actually Him. He is the fulfillment of that. And it compares Jesus to the uh, existing Levitical priesthood. And he points out that some of the, the, the issues, the problems, and, and, and most all those problems had to do with the temporary nature of it as opposed to the eternal nature of what Jesus has done. So, for instance, the priest himself, uh, he would die and another would have to take his place. So the priest and his service was temporary. The sacrifices that that priest offered for his sins and for the sins of the people, again, only temporary, had to be repeated over and over and over again. Compare this to Jesus. Jesus uh, lives eternally. And Jesus didn't offer the blood of an animal, but He offered His own spotless blood. And notice verse 27, the, he, Jesus doesn't need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for His sins and then for the people's. Verse 27, for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. So it doesn't have to be repeated over and over and over and over again. If someone was to get born again this morning, okay, Jesus would not have to go back to the cross and die for that person. He's already died for that person's sins. He's already paid the penalty for that person's sins. Okay? We tend to think only in terms of our past sins. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I, I got that Jesus has forgiven me for the sin that I've committed up at this point, but I don't understand how it 
how it is that he's forgiven me of sins in the future. Well, I heard Brother Creflo Dollar say this, and it's so simple but so profound, right? When Jesus died for my sins, all of my sins were future. Amen. All of my, all of my sin was future. I, I wasn't even alive yet to commit a sin. So the idea that how can Jesus pay for sin that I haven't committed yet, He paid for all of my sin, right? I hadn't committed a single sin. I wasn't even alive to commit one yet when He paid for my sin, all right? So a once and for all sacrifice. Now the argument, and I have to bring this up seemingly every time, but I'm going to bring it up, okay? People say, well, what, well if that means we can just go sin however we... That means you don't understand this. The Bible is very clear. When you understand the, the sacrifice that's made for you, the price that's paid for you, the love that's been shown to you, that that, again, 1 John chapter 3, that is what will motivate you and me to purify our lives even as Christ is pure. The love that He has for us. So this idea that you know, we tell people this, they'll use it as an excuse to sin. Um, first of all, we've never needed an excuse to sin in the past. But Let's get beyond that religious mindset um, and, and, and move over into, like we've been saying on Wednesday nights, that's one-dimensional thinking. And we're not a one-dimensional being. We're trying, to, we're trying to live in the three-dimensional world of God's truth with a one-dimensional mindset. It'll never work. Amen. It'll never work. But as you begin to lay hold of and embrace what He desires, that He did this for His own sake. You say, I just don't understand why He would do this for me. Well, He did it for you, but He didn't just do it for you. He did it for Himself because of what He wants to enjoy and have with you. And so what Jesus did affords Father the luxury of, of loving us and not having to just sweep our sin under the rug because He paid for it. He paid for it all. Amen? So, is able to save to the uttermost. That word uttermost it means able to save completely, able to save thoroughly, able to save forever. Amen. Completely, thoroughly, forever. Amen. Well, that's just good news. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing among us and how you're helping us. Lord, thank you for what you have done uh, for us, Jesus, for the price that you paid, for the sacrifice that you made for for the the death and for the burial and for the resurrection and for the ascension all that completed lord for us and help us to lay hold of that to identify with it to embrace it help us to realize that our sin problem has been resolved with a beautiful solution and lord may we humble ourselves before you and receive for ourselves what you have done for us may we understand and know and believe the love that you have for us and that you desire many things for us among them for all of your children to be blessed like Abraham was blessed. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you joined us late, just um, let me just again mention thank you for your love and prayers for Pam. She is doing better, feeling better, and um, going to be back to 100% very, very soon. Um, our, our service together, uh, we'll resume on the 24th. So on Sunday morning, the 24th, we're going to do a 10.30 a.m. service only. We're not going to do our classes yet. We're going to hold off on those for a little while longer. Uh, 10.30 uh, a.m. on May 
the 24th. That's two weeks from today. And uh, we are very excited about that. You'll be praying about that and, and get the word out for us. Amen. All right. Love somebody around you. And uh, we'll be back live streaming on Wednesday night.